Hello and welcome to Rundown, a weekly podcast from Politics Home. I'm your host, Alan Tolhurst. With me this week to check in on how Rishi Sunak is getting on with his five pledges, as he marks six months in the job as Prime Minister, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the Conservative MP for Mansfield, Ben Bradley, as well as Scarlett Maguire, Director of the Pollsters, JL Partners, and Laura Dunn, former Communications Advisor to several senior Tories and Cabinet Ministers. So I'll start with you, Ben. Um, you were at uh, Checkers on Sunday last weekend, having been invited by Rishi Sunak along with some of your Tory colleagues to celebrate St George's Day. Tell us uh, what was the mood like amongst uh, amongst your colleagues and what was kind of Sunak's message to, to Tory MPs? Good mood, to be honest. It's always a privilege to be able to go and have a look around that place anyway. Only a couple of times I've been able to go in, in five, six years. So we're always jolly when invited. Good, I think. And um you know, it was funny, my wife came along with me. She's not met Rishi before and, and was impressed, I have to say, with his engagement and the way that he kind of approached it. So all good stuff. And I think over the course of six months, I started quite sceptical, to be honest, in terms of I didn't support him in the leadership elections. And he's impressed me, actually, both in terms mm. of the way that he steadied the ship and, and, and his engagement and the way that he's put himself across. So positive mood. And he was just talking about, you know, looking ahead to local elections and, and to next year, just that it's, it's kind of all to play for, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll come on to those kind of five pledges and, and elections in the future. But if you were to give him, I suppose, then a grade six months on, how's how, how's he getting on? Uh, we're going for like a B. B. <laughs> yeah, he speaks out the right things and, and the priorities that resonate with my constituents. The challenge having particularly on things like, you know, small boats and that kind of thing. We've talked about it for a long time, haven't we? Yeah. You know, so I think the proof will have to be in the pudding. And there's a lot of sceptical people out there who just say, look, I believe it when I see it. But He's talking a good game and, and starting to take those actions, so time will tell. Mm. Laura, moving on to you. Until recently, you you were working for Conservative MPs. What was kind of the, the mood like after the kind of the chaos of, of last summer and autumn? Has, has, has Sunak managed to sort of calm things down, do you think? I think so. I think certainly what I was picking up, that he came in with his team and steadied the ship, has made good progress in stabilising the Tory brand. We're seeing that he's you know, making progress and inroads on things like uh, Brexit with the Windsor framework and positive things like the UK joining CPTPP, the energy security announcement, and there's that strong budget as well with things like childcare and the real issues that people are talking about on the doorstep. And a lot of campaigners, you know, lots of my colleagues who are running for re-election, the big day is next week, and these issues are coming up on the doorstep. So I think that Rishi has definitely helped to to steady that and uh, make Parliament a bit calmer. I know, I know some journalists have remarked to me that they, they can't remember it being this sort of, I'd read to say, boring <laughs> for a while. <laughs> you know, it's been such a roller coaster for all of us that have been um, on the front line. So it's kind of good to, to get back to grown-up politics, shall I say. Yeah, I would say that I, I started in the lobby in 2016, the week of the referendum. And so, yeah, it's not really calmed down since then. Two elections, a pandemic and, and kind of three prime ministers. So, yeah, it's been a four prime minister, I suppose it is now, five. Yeah, um, so, yeah, kind of a bit, bit crazy. But yes, yeah, so, so Scarlett, on that, there's a feeling that, that Sunak has kind of studied the ship. Has that really pulled through in the polling? We know when he took over as prime minister, the Tories were, were miles behind. Where, where are we in terms of the polling then? Has Sunak had a, a bounce that he was kind of hoping for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely fair to say that he substantially improved the Conservatives' position in the polls since he took over. So when he took over in October, they were sort of languishing 30 points behind Labour, so absolutely dreadful position. And they're now 15 points behind, so he has sort of significantly closed that gap. I think, you know, it's worth bearing in mind that that gap as it stands would still translate into a sort of quite big victory for Labour at the election if it was to be held tomorrow. 
not as catastrophic a loss as they were facing before. Yeah, there was like the MRP poll, wasn't there, at the time, that saying that the Tories going to end up with three MPs left at the end of, a, of an election at one point. The question now is whether what we've seen in the last two months, that closing of the polls, both in terms of voting intention, but also in terms of that important question of who would make the best prime minister, which recent history has been a better prediction of general election results. I think the question is whether those polls continue to narrow or whether there's an element of sort of damage limitation that, you know, Rishi Sunak is presiding over, uh, having taken over from Liz Truss and bottomed out probably how the Tories could do with the electorate at the moment. And whether it will stay stable or maybe even potentially go back down. And I think, we, you know, we won't know that for a little bit of time to come. So we'll be watching to see whether they incrementally manage to keep tripping up or whether this last two months sort of was either a blip or a slightly balancing out to look at polls that look a bit more used to seeing them. You know, so 15 point lead. I think Ed Miliband was about 13 points ahead, you know, this far out of a general election back in 2013. So we're looking at more normal territory now. Yeah, there's also a conversation about opposition, whether it sort of narrows in, in a run-up to an election. I suppose that's what the Tories are kind of hoping for. Ben, as well as being an MP for Manchester, you're also the leader of, of Notts County Council. There are lots of local elections, as, as Laura says, happening next week across the country, including in Mansfield, where you represent. What's been kind of the mood on the on the doorstep? There's been a lot of expectation management from the Conservatives originally, the idea they might lose a thousand seats or whatever, you know, up and down the country. You know, what's, what's kind of your feeling about how things are going? Yeah, it feels okay. My, elect- my council's <laughs> not up for, for election this time. It's, it's districts and boroughs, like they're lower kind of tier we locally have got two seats out of 36 so it can only really go one way <laughs> one council that hasn't really caught up with the national change yet just yes yeah. so long ago and 2019 actually if you remember was right at the last final weeks of Theresa may's tenure before she was kind of kicked out so we weren't particularly popular in the polls at that time either yeah truthfully although we'll always try and manage expectations if i'm being honest i don't think in my part it will, it will be bad at all but I, I no longer believe in national swings, to be honest. I think there'll be parts of the country where we uh, lose out big time uh, and parts like yeah. mine where, you know, we can only really gain. So, you know, I'm hoping that the Conservatives might become the main opposition, at least on my council for the first time ever, which will be a nice, nice start. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's been all right. The feedback's been good. I think generally been local issues dominating potholes mainly, if I'm honest. Yeah, have you been have you been staring into any potholes like Richard Sunak has been doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, lots of those. I have the pleasure of being responsible for road maintenance in my neck of the woods, so I get all of that. Ah, uh, right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Daily basis, I'm asking Rishi to time for my budget by ten. So it has been focused on those things, and broadly, as I said earlier, you know, the, the mood has been government has improved it's stabilized and and uh, still a little bit of you know we'll believe it when we see it in terms of delivery mm. so scott just back on that on the, on the kind of the, the local election stuff where do you think the kind of conservatives are in terms of those pockets of where they're probably going to hold that that hold that vote based on 2019 and, and where they might lose out and where labor i suppose are looking to show that they're making up ground on the conservatives yeah i mean i think ben's point is an interesting one on two fronts both on the sort of expectation management side of things but also this idea that you know you might see increases in some parts of the country as well as losses. Briefing out might lose a thousand seats. That obviously does seem like quite a bit of spin, but I don't think anyone's in doubt that um, they're probably going to lose you know, fair number of seats, defending thousands of councillors across the country, you know, at a time where they're not doing incredibly well. I think they will be particularly vulnerable in the shires. There's lots of talk about how much the Lib Dems could come back in that sort of, you know, for want of a better phrase, blue wall. And then there's also lots of sort of red wall territories where you're going to see a big battleground between Labour and Conservatives. I think it'll be quite interesting keeping an eye on some of those that are up for grabs, particularly in sort of Tees area. Yeah. It's like Middlesbrough to see what you can see going on in there. Then, of course, Hartlepool, sort of site of Boris's last sort of electoral triumph, really. And then 
places like Darlington and Stoke-on-Trent as well, I think will all be interesting to look at to see whether Labour are making real inroads again. Mm. Laura, just kind of on that, obviously, there's a difficulty, I suppose, for any Conservative leader taking on that. The 2019, the Electoral Coalition, obviously, was quite different to the previous one that Conservative leaders have put together. You know, I think Sunak, has, has he got the messaging right, do you think, around that? And what do you think he needs to improve on to kind of hold both ends of that of that kind of party, both up in the red wall and down in the blue wall as well? I think the messaging has definitely improved. We're seeing Rishi's government is better engagement with stakeholders. I mean, for example, there was a Business Connect event this week. I think before we wouldn't have heard about that and how actually the difference that's making, but we did. I think social media and the potential use of that is, is really improved. And also the party communications as well. Because I think you actually know what's going on now and what you know, the accomplishments are and what's being delivered. But, you know, as um, Ben and Scarlett have, have said, like, next week will be a big, big test for the party and, and for Rishi. And then I think, you know, if we aren't really there already, we're going to be going straight into general election campaigning. So mm. there's not going to be a, a break or honeymoon period for any of us, I think. It does feel at the moment already a bit like we've started that campaign. Some yeah. of the messaging, I think, from, from Labour, their crime stuff and, and the Conservatives' response. It does feel as though we're kind of already, it's a bit like the American cycle where it's like two, three years, you know, the election cycle. It feels like we're already kind of getting into it already. And do you think, you know, how is that kind of playing? out so far do you think Laura? Definitely I think we're seeing the Americanization of politics I mean I know my colleagues are, are out already campaigning I think you know those ads and the social media posts from Labour kind of really um, gave everyone the wake-up call that the next election it, it's it's going to be dirty it, it, there's all to play for for both sides so I think strap in and um, you know get used to more of that I also hope we, we don't see that letter that um, party chair keeps tweeting at every uh, <laughs> every opportunity <laughs> I saw I saw Greg Hans this morning at Charing Cross Station I felt like going asking and seeing if, seeing if he had that letter with him waving it around yeah, 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 absolutely. Let's look at something else to tweet out. <laughs> ben, before we move on to the kind of the, the, the five pledges and kind of where he is, I remember reading a lot of stuff when Sunak took over that essentially the Tory party was ungovernable within within Parliament. There was lots of too many factions, lots of people who hadn't voted for him, you know, including yourself, and, and there was lots of loyalists to Boris and et cetera, et cetera. It feels a little bit more like, you know, there's been rebel rebellions or muter rebellions on various bits and bobs, but it does feel as though the party is more united within Parliament than it has been for quite a while. Is, is that what you've kind of made of it as well? Uh, it's certainly been a happier place, not least because, as I say, it's, it's steadied the ship and, and kind of calmed things down in the turmoil that we got into in the autumn, really. Um, everyone was trying to... <laughs> is that what we're calling it now? The t- turmoil? Is that the, the euphemism? The yeah. which shall not be mentioned or names. He's recovered from that and we're all a little bit more comfortable. I think there's still there and always will be this battle in a broad church kind of party around where do we want to go? And, and I'm, you know, probably more traditionally kind of Thatcherite conservative than the Conservative Party uh, has been in recent years. So I'm always going to want to push in in that direction. But I think we're, we're managing that a lot better than we certainly have done. And Rishi's that kind of character, isn't he? That is happy to kind of engage with everybody and talk to everybody. And things like, you know, bringing colleagues to, to checkers and, and having those conversations informally just mm. helps to keep people on board, I think. Yeah, it's kind of a perennial bugbear, I think, for a lot of backbenchers is, is not getting that engagement from the centre. MPs are always complaining, regardless of who's in charge about that. Do you think that that's actually a, is it, it's a key thing that Sunak maybe is getting right, do you think? Or is, is there other stuff you want to see, you know, moving forward? There's, like I said, there are these sort of rebellions on various things like sm- small boats and other issues. Is, is that engagement there? Is it, is, it, is it doing well enough on that? I think the engagement's there, but those tensions are important, right? That's what we're there for. And, and the fact that there are um, you know, rebellions and, and pressure on small boats is good and important because that we're there as MPs to try and push things in a direction that we we believe in and we think our constituents believe in. If we're all just quietly going along with everything, 
that would be be really unhe- uh, unhealthy, wouldn't it, from a democratic point of view? Uh, you're always going to have that, and I think that's that's no bad thing as long as it's managed. Mm. Right. Well, let's move on to those kind of those those five pledges then. If we're trying to remind myself of them, the, the Richard Sunak announced at the start of the year, he's kind of like setting his stall like what he wants to do is halving inflation, economy growing, debt falling waiting list down and small boats solved. And, and looking at it, it doesn't seem as though he's made a great deal of movement on that CPI. Inflation still above 10%. We had 0% growth in February. The debt's due to maybe hit more than 100% of GDP, say the IMF waiting lists are you know, new record highs. And, and on the asylum backlog, it does seem as though it's up since December. And, and the PM was kind of not so sure whether it will be met by an election. Ben, how do you kind of assess how he's moving on those things and, and how important is it for him to get particularly those elements of it, like the, the, the waiting list and, and the asylum backlog down, as he said he was going to? Yeah, from the veggie, I mean, you can boil it down to will people feel in a year's time that they are better off than they are now? Mm. Um, you know, NHS backlogs, obviously, at least need to come down, waiting time needs to come down and um, people will want to see by the end of the year a significant reduction in people crossing the channel. And I think from a tangible visible point of view people you know no longer in hotels or moving out of hotels but in their communities so there's some visible outcomes that if we don't manage to deliver by the end of the year i think we'll, we'll um, be in a difficult place to be honest but it's inevitable because the wheels of of parliament and the state turn very slowly yeah you know you're gonna find a period as it is now of putting those building blocks in place and legislation and we've seen the immigration bill you know this week trying to drive those things through and once those things are through and, and starting to be implemented You'll see delivery. Or I hope you'll see delivery. I think he's making the right noises. He started the right processes in terms of trying to tackle these things. I work directly in things like uh, social care, for example, as a council leader, and the investment that we've seen, the engagement that we've seen from the Department of Health has been really positive. Trying to trying to pull that together. Inevitably, you know, the outcomes will take time, but I think he's moving in a, a reasonable direction. Yeah, Scarlett, have you noticed any kind of movement, especially in the polls, on those five pledges? Has it made an impact? And are those based on kind of how voters are feeling, what voters want to see improved, is it targeting the right things ahead of an election? I think there's sort of two questions there. So firstly, um, I guess there's an issue of cut through and how much the public have actually heard of these pledges full stop. Yeah. And actually, not that much cut through. I mean, you sort of see this in focus groups and also, you know, I mean, we do a tracker in the red wall. Only 39% of voters that we spoke to had even heard of them. So I think that's something to start there. I think they are looking at the right issues for voters. I think the bigger problem is, which I think Ben sort of identifies, is whether or not they're going to be able to deliver on them. And in terms of how the public feel about this, you could look at it as good or bad news um, from the perspective of number 10. At the moment, the government think they're doing pretty dreadfully on all of it, really. So sort of three thirds of the government say they're not you know, they're doing badly at delivering um, economic growth. We've obviously heard a lot of noise about small boats with the bill in Parliament yesterday. Um, but 73% of the public still think they're doing a very bad job handling the immigration. So you've got a very low base. So again, you can look at that in two ways. Either the public, you know, just sort of set against it and don't think any of these things are going to go well at all. Or uh, they've got a very low expectation, which means that potentially Rishi Sunak could pleasantly surprise them going into the next general election. But only, I think, if we do see movement and delivery on those five things. Yeah, Laura, just on that kind of the messaging then, it, it's not perhaps those five pledges not quite having the cut through maybe they, they wanted. You know, what do they've got to do to try and push through those those kind of key things? And, and it's interesting, I suppose, in that a couple of them are things that 
really the government aren't necessarily in control of. Inflation is really in the in the gift of the Bank of England, but it's become a big thing that the government wants to to get down. Is that the kind of the right way of doing it? You know, doing something that actually in the, in the sense you're not really in control of, and but it's a key part of your messaging. I, I think Ben and Scarlett have said uh, it's correct. It's about delivery and it's about showing what you're delivering. So there's you know there's two strands there. There's the sort of like the low hanging fruit things that they can show that progress is being made. So for example, we saw yesterday with the announcement about the recruitment of over 20,000 police officers. You know, that's an actionable result. It's going back to a manifesto pledge. But then these these longer-term big issues linked to the five pledges, a lot of them are obviously dependent on outside forces, but they need to show that the pace is being quickened. I think, you know, one thing pick up that got a lot of traction is the sewage overflow debate. Now, you know, personally, I thought quite slow in, you know, counteracting the some of the smears and the the lies that were being bandied around. I mean, I think Ben would say probably lots of his social media posts, other MPs I worked with, lots of comments and lots of emails in, in the inbox. And I just felt that, you know, it was a bit of an own goal. We could have acted faster to have, have seized on that and put the record straight. But it's about visibility and a bit concerning if the public aren't aware of those five pledges. But I think as we move closer towards an election, we obviously will have a King's Speech later this year where the government can set out its legislative agenda that's really going to show the direction of travel and um, what's being delivered and, and what the targets are for next year yeah ben just quickly on on sewage then uh, that was again something that it's happened a couple of times i think over the past couple of years where there's been this big outrage big issue on sort of social media and it doesn't feel as though the government has quite picked up on that and it's become a, a running theme and it feels as though that's the one at the moment that's that's getting a lot of your colleagues into you know quite a lot of um I'm trying not to pick a sewage pun here, but essentially getting into a lot of trouble. Um, you know, do you think that the government should have moved, uh, you know, quicker to try and deflect on this and try and get out the fact that what the government is doing to try and protect, you know, our, our watercourses and, and, and rivers and that sort of stuff? It's so difficult in a kind of social media world to, to counteract some of the rubbish that's out there. I was seeing this week, you know, uh, things going viral on Twitter about Rishi's wife's involvement in things that she's not involved in. Mm. And it, it's really, really frustrating. And that's an example, right, of Labour putting out, you know, you voted to put sewage in the rivers as if it's some new thing that had never happened before. And most sensible-minded people, I think, read stuff and think that sounds ridiculous, and therefore it probably is. But there are always going to be people who, who believe what they read, frustratingly. So, yeah, we could always move faster. Labour have taken playing ridiculous games with opposition days to incredible new heights during the course of this parliament. So, Isn't that their job, though? Opposition Oppositions are meant to oppose? That's one of the things that winds me up sometimes when you see Tory MPs saying the opposition are playing politics. I mean, aren't you all playing politics? Isn't that no, what, you know, you're politicians, right? It's a phrase that means nothing, isn't it? I do find it frustrating when, you know, these things are clearly engineered to try and make us vote for something that sounds really bad. And that's the game that we play. It was nice to stick it back to them a little bit this week in, in that sewage opposition debate uh, and make them look daft for once. But no, yeah, we can certainly, chicanery with the order paper. Yeah. yeah, we could certainly move faster. Uh, and I think Lord's right. You know, I think the social media and, and the communications around some of that stuff has improved. But we've been a little bit more proactive on some of those issues. Laura's talking about what, how long that takes for that messaging maybe to get through. There's lots of talk about whether actually the the election's more likely to be next autumn rather than next spring to give more time, I suppose, for Rishunak to try and turn things around. Laura, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Do you think that's the, the right way to go? Or do you think that actually you kind of want to maybe get a bounce maybe from a, a budget next year and then go straight to the polls? 
So I, I do think it's going to be May and you can quote me back on this if I'm wrong. I like a May election. I want, I want, to, go, I want to go back to a May election. Yeah. We've not had one in a while. I want, I want a May election. Well, it's just an expectation, isn't it? I think all of us that have um, campaigned before, you know, we remember like those kind of nice like spring summer nights going out, knocking doors and delivering leaflets. So I think that it, it gets back, uh, us back into that pattern. But the other end of, uh, of the debate, I can see how calling an autumn one perhaps after party conferences, you know, so that's a good time to get the membership and, and everyone, you know, rallied up and uh, firmly focused. I can see the merits of that as well. But, um, you know, like I said, I think, you know, as soon as um, next Thursday, uh, local election polling day is over, campaigning, it'll start up. We're seeing it with the selections of candidates uh, of all parties. That's really, you know, in, in fourth gear now. You know, I think people are, are thinking about, you know, what's next for them and, and uh, you know, what the government they'd want to deliver, but also what the manifestos will, will bring as well. And there's lots of planning underway. So I think, uh, you know, both options are, are viable at the moment. But it'd be good to... Good to see what yeah. Ben thinks on that. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben, did you get any inkling last last Sunday? Did, did you like, drop any hints about, or do, you, or do you fancy another December election? You know, door knocking in the dark, that sort of stuff. Is that what you, is, is that you enjoyed? I definitely don't fancy that. The, the last election was on the 12th, so my birthday on the 11th, so I spent it. Oh, okay. Course, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what you want to do, isn't it? So we'll skip that. And I'd put my money on October, November. Oh, okay. My my wife's first question to Rishi on Sunday was, uh, I'm trying to plan a holiday. Can you tell me when <laughs> these elections might be, you know, the one thing you would ask the Prime Minister? So, yeah. You know, look, I, I, that's where I would go. I think if um, you look at the polling, it's fair to say, I think it's steadily creeping closer in some ways the longer you can give it to do that, the, the better. But it's going to be busy anyway. And, and I think it's right to say that the campaigning has kind of already started in that national conversation. We're going to have a really busy time because we've got regional mayoral election in the May, uh, general election in October, county council elections the following year, three and 12 months. So there's going to be going to be pretty non-stop uh, over the course of the next kind of two years, really. Yeah, Scarlett, on that, would you think that that is the, the case for the for the government, that actually the longer they go, do you think there's more opportunity to try and draw things around? Or is there a bounce now that might then plateau? Is that the kind of the, the trade-off that they're trying to work out at the moment in terms of timing-wise? not sure the trade-off they're trying to work out i think if it's a bounce that plateaus it will, if we are going to see that it, it might well do that sort of in advance of a may election or an october election you know, i think i would probably be inclined to see how much further they could get with the polls and to see and to give them as much time as possible for sunak to turn particularly the economy around but also to live on some of those other pledges you know in terms of immigration and the nhs so i think if you were advising them right now you would probably say that the later the better just to give that all you know the more time especially as you know we've seen in the polls that Sunak seems to be the Conservatives biggest asset in that he outpolls the party Starmer yeah. at the moment looks like it's a bit of a drag on Labour so you might want to give that more time to try and exploit it yeah 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 or, or I suppose for the Labour to have more time for, for Starmer to set out his his stall but I suppose is that is that kind of where you're seeing the, the, the polling essentially that, that Rishi might be able to beat Keir but at the moment the Tories can't really beat Labour at the moment and, and is it the kind of the is the brand maybe beyond repair you know going for a fifth election victory is always going to be quite difficult for whoever you know whoever's in charge yeah so I mean obviously we won't know till polling day you never know the these things really surprise people. I mean, remember the 2019 result, the 2017 result, 2015 result. Actually, all of those, I think, yeah. just were shocked to the system. So I think it would be you know, foolish to make proper predictions now. I do think what we can say is that Starmer's ratings are much closer to Sunak's in that Sunak's only a couple of points away in terms of who would make best PM. Their favourability ratings, uh, there is still a gulf between Conservatives and Labour in the polls. 
I think what we're going to see in the next few months is whether Sunak can rescue that conservative brand or whether he'll get pulled down by it and only to come yeah. at the moment. Lord, on that, like, talking about Starmer, there's been lots of discussion about how many different slogans he's had, whether he's actually got a vision for what he wants to do, what is Starmerism. But similarly on, on the conservative side from, from Sunak, what's his kind of big vision and, and who is he trying to speak to? We hear lots about sort of like Mondeo Man in the, in the, in the 1990s and Cameron had quite a big vision of who he was trying to speak to ahead of the 2010 election. You know, do you know what kind of Sunak's vision is at the moment and has he really ironed it out or smoothed it out yet? I'm not totally sure. I mean, I think uh, we're still trying to appeal to two sections of the, def- uh, of the demographic. We've got, obviously, you know, our, our red wall seats and then kind of, you know, the traditional blue Tory shires. So I think that message will be worked out a bit more as we get into campaign mode and um, the strategy is uh, you know, defined and then implemented. I think, mm. you know, we'll see the bit of that after next Thursday. So the party will assess the performance there and what the strengths and weaknesses are. But also, you know, it's important that he uses the full talents of his team. He's got a, a really good, I think, ministerial team supporting him. I think we'll see a, a lot of those be used to, to help with the delivery of um, the messaging. And then also yeah. the candidates that are selected too. And let's not forget that um, it's important you know, for every party that the slate of candidates is as diverse and representative of the population as possible. Yeah. Ben, do you think that Sunak has that at the moment? It seems like his sort of his messages like sort of deliverability. I'm, I'm the sort of guy who fixes things, sorts things out, things like the Windsor framework and, and trying to get deals on stopping the boats and all that kind of stuff. But do you think he needs more than that, a kind of a vision to the country? And, and is that what he's going to try and sort out the rest of the year? And, and if so, where do you think that that needs to go? What's the, you know, the like I said, Monday man, Labour talking about Stevenage woman, you know, what's the, you know, as Mansfield man, what's your kind of, uh, you know, what, what do you think the vision should be? I, I think he does. I mean, the first thing is is steadying the ship and he's, he's done that and that's all right for a bit. But at some point, people, yeah. you know, it's not going to inspire people. So the the next thing is, if he's going to make it about delivery, he has to deliver. And he has to take those boxes on his five pledges that say, right, I said I would and I have. And I think that will help to restore a lot of trust because, you know, there is a lot of cynicism. You said you would do X and, and nothing ever happens. You just talk. Yeah. Politicians say uh, that a lot. So, you know, he has to tick those boxes. But that's the ongoing conversation now, right? We talked earlier about, you know, tensions within major political parties. You've got different kind of wings and viewpoints within any party. I clearly want us to lean towards a, you know, a kind of red wall focused leveling up type strategy that has, has suited my part of the world and put my part of the world at the forefront of, of what government's tried to do. But you are going to have to balance that with a, a different demographic of people in London, the Southeast and, and liberal democracy mm. seats in other parts of the country. I think the way he's gone about that so far is probably a sensible way. And if you've got to balance different viewpoints, let's just be simple and clear with a handful of clear commitments that people broadly agree with. Uh, and let's not go off all over the place on things that are going to cause cause problems. He's going to have to do that in more detail over the course of the coming year, but so far, so good, I think. Yeah, and, and Scarlett, do you, what do the kind of the voters make of, of Sunak? Is that the idea of deliverability and that kind of stuff? Is that what kind of voters are getting from him or do they still associate him as like the furlough guy? Do they, have they made their minds up about what sort of prime minister he is yet? He still remains popular for furlough. So when you ask yeah. um, when you ask voters what they like most about Rishi Sunak, quite a lot of the time they say the work he did as Chancellor's pandemic. I mean, he was almost unprecedentedly popular in that role, especially in the first sort of 18 months of the pandemic. Although obviously it's quite easy to be popular for people when you're sort of giving them quite a lot of money. Didn't work for Liz Trust though. <laughs> no. no, it didn't. What we do see is that they think of him as competent, uh, as managerial, 
again, you know, they quite like him, I think, actually. There's not sort of the sort of visceral dislike or frankly ridicule that we saw towards Liz Truss. And he's definitely not the sort of marmite figure that you have with Boris Johnson. But I think I think Ben sets out really well. So obviously that sort of technocratic competent managerialism was sort of just what the country was crying out for after Liz Truss imploded. But now I think what they will probably want to see a bit more of is a bit more dynamism and a little bit more potentially the charisma we saw, I think, uh, a bit more from him during his time as Chancellor. So I think it will be important for him to, obviously, he still needs to be competent and show that he can do things. But I think maybe some of that sense of a bit more of a vision as well going forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, and fi- finally, then I know you said you'd be wrong to make predictions, but I'm going to ask you to make some predictions anyway. You know, uh, kind of where we are now, there's lots to talk about, you know, are we heading for a 1997 style Labour landslide? Are we heading for a, a 1992 style Tory hold against the odds? Or maybe even a kind of a 1974 style Labour slim victory, then maybe a, a second election, which uh, I would love to cover another election. But anyway, so I'll go around it in turn, start with you, Ben. Which, which of those kind of think do you think we, we might end up as? Well, let's all agree now that we don't want any more elections than we'll need to have and uh, <laughs> move swiftly on from that prediction. Look, I, as we get closer, I think people's mindset changes. I think they move from a holding the government to account criticism to a comparison of the two. And at the minute, I don't get any sense in my part of the world of any massive swing towards Labour. They might be fed up with us or politics in general, but mm. um, not swinging back towards Labour at all. I recognise that we're different around different parts of the country. I think it's really genuinely neck and neck. The Prime Minister delivers on what he's promised this year and we're in that place on the economy, on waiting lists, on small boats at the end of the year. I think we will win. And if we're not, then we probably won't. So it's it's all all in the course of the balance of this year. But similarly, as I say, local elections in a few weeks, I think will be that same balance. You know, it'll be be good in some parts of the country and and not so much in the others. So all to play for and and 12 months or, or 18 months to figure that one out. Yeah, Laura and you? Well, I never like to make too many predictions, but I can say I think one thing that we all do not want is another hung parliament. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) Those kind of period post-2017 and kind of all those votes afterwards kind of slightly haunt me still. So yeah, a decisive victory in any any way was probably probably the best. Uh, Scarlett, what about you? Yeah, I'm very reluctant to make predictions partly i think because there are still so many unknowns i mean we particularly yeah. what uh smp what their sort of recent disaster might be too strong a word but their recent troubles implosion i think you fair implosion is fair to say, I think. Yeah, yeah. uh yeah so so what that will mean in terms of how many seats labor can get north of the border i think it's a yeah. massive question mark and we just don't know that and that will obviously hugely sort of shift the electoral map in terms of how close labor can get to majority or how big a majority they would be able to get I also think, and I think Ben sort of hints at this as well, huge amounts can change in election campaigns. So when Theresa May called an election, she was 20 points ahead in the polls. Jeremy Corbyn ended up with 2% more of the popular vote. Even within that sort of six weeks in the run-up to an election, we could see dramatic shifts that might change the outcome. I do think at the moment, the polls suggest a, a big Labour lead of sort of, you know, 100 seats or so, maybe more. I would be surprised if that materialised. That would be such a huge... I mean, they're only at 200 now. That would, they'd be picking up 200 seats or whatever. That's extraordinary. Oh, it would be it? phenomenal. I mean, you hear this stat bandied around all the time, but, you know, they need more of a swing than Tony Blair got in 97 to even get a majority of two. So, I mean, it would be completely unprecedented. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I'm sort of sceptical about that. Otherwise, I think it... Wait and see. I think in a few months' time, we will definitely have a better sense in terms of, as I said, though, where those polls are heading. 
That's all we've got time for this week, but you can read all the latest on the big stories from Westminster at politicshome.com and keep right up to date by subscribing to our seven-day week newsletters by clicking on the link in the top right-hand corner of the website. Thanks again to my guests, Ben Bradley, Scarlett McGuire and Laura Dunn. Thanks for all again for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. If you want to get in touch, then reach out to us on Twitter at Politics Home or email us via news at politicshome.com. But for now, I've been Arnold Tolhurst and this has been The Rundown.